This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. I'm on the telephone with Carl Nord, WA1KPD. Good afternoon, Carl. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you? Good, good. You've been doing some really interesting things with Whisper, which I wanted to talk about. But before we get into that, for people listening who maybe have no idea what Whisper is, can you give the the basic ground-level definition of Whisper? Sure. Whisper uh, uh, stands for Weak Signal Propagation Reporter, and it is a digital mode which is used uh, by some people to uh, test antennas, to watch propagation, uh, to get a sense as to uh, how their setup is working. It typically uses uh, low power. Uh, five watts is QRO on uh, Whisper. It is one-way communication. Uh, you do not uh, involve yourself uh, in a QSO. However, uh, there are several websites you can go to and you can see uh, just how far your signal has gone, uh, relatively how strong it is, uh, uh, word is heard and when it was last heard. Now, Whisper is part of the WSJTX software suite. So somebody out there who's playing around with FT8 or FT4, they can do Whisper too. It's just a matter of changing modes, correct? That is, that's correct. Uh, there's a mode uh, menu uh, on the top of the uh, WSJTX and you just go down to Whisper and if you've got it uh, integrated with your transceiver, it will automatically go to a whisper uh, frequency and then leave it alone because a whisper transmission is two minutes long, and I believe it's 1.6 baud. So it takes its time. Absolutely. When I hear it on the air, it, it sounds almost just like a single continuous tone, maybe warbling ever so slightly. Yes. Yeah. The whisper signal is only uh, six uh, hertz wide, and and there is a very, very hard to hear warble to it, but it, it's uh, broadcasting slow and it's broadcasting a very uh, strict sequence of information. Your uh, The time, uh, which may actually come from your own computer, I'm not sure of that, uh, The uh, your call your location, uh, the signal that uh, you're being received with, the amount of power that you're putting out, and I think that's it. I've played with Whisper from time to time myself, and it's fascinating. I love going to the whispernet.org website and get the list of who heard my signal, but also display it on the map where I see the lines radiating out from my station and going to places that I didn't think I could possibly be heard? It is unbelievable. It, it really is. And I've always uh, been attracted to uh, QRP. And in fact, uh, I've moved up to the mid-coast of Maine from South Central Connecticut and have a good friend down there. And we did some experiments a couple of years ago, uh, just playing around, wondering how long he could go 
how low he could go on 160 meters with power uh, with a CW beacon, and I could still pick him up. And I found that to be a lot of fun. And we actually got down to 325 uh, microwatts. It was hard, and it took the right conditions, but I thought that was fascinating. And then as I began to learn about Whisper, I'm not usually a big uh, digital fan. I prefer uh, the boat anchors, but I got involved with FT8 and then uh, learned about Whisper, and I thought, well, that's right up my alley because I'm always curious as to how low you can go, and I've had some big surprises. Well, you mentioned just a moment ago that a lot of people are running roughly 5 watts output. And and indeed, that's what I'm usually running. But from what I understand, you have taken it to a whole new level. You are, well, would you say the nanowatt level? Yes. I bought a uh, transmitter built by uh, Zach Tech, which will cover five bands sequentially. And initially just uh, hooked it up to uh, an offsetter fed dipole that I had. And out of the box, uh, the transmitter runs uh, 200 milliwatts. So I bought uh, a number of the, the inline uh, RF attenuators and began putting them in and, and seeing, well, how low can I go? And, uh, you know, I got down to 50 milliwatts or so, and I would look at that map that you referred to, and I say, holy mackerel, you know, I'm 40 meters and I'm getting into uh, Europe and across country with this low a signal. So I kept adding them and I ultimately got down to uh, 50 nanowatts. Uh, and what is very interesting about that is the transmitter uh, is on most of the time and several things that I've noticed on the lower bands, uh, like 80, I'm no longer heard by anybody. But when I get up to 40, uh, 17, and 30, I've had stations uh, out in Ohio and uh, Rochester, New York, and down around New Jersey who had picked me up. What I find fascinating is it isn't like they pick me up for a couple hours or the same time every day. It's almost as if there's a random period of time, one transmission that they get. And then they may not hear me again for another week. So I wonder, what is it about that moment that caused the transmission to get through? And on what band is that, Carl? Uh, I've had my best luck on 40, 10, and 17. I wonder if it's at all possible that at least on 10 meters, it could be sporadic E, maybe? Uh, actually, I've not had any luck on, on 10. Ah, get that okay. Ball. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's the middle band's. That uh, seem to do seem to do well. Once I get up into the the high power levels of uh, about uh, ten microwatts, then almost all bands work. Someone like you, uh, you know, a big gun of QRO of uh, five watts. I mean, you must just be heard around the world. Yes, uh, I will put the transmitter on the air. And again, it's five watts, and in many instances, of course depending on propagation. I'm not at all surprised to hear uh, my little signal being heard in Australia, Japan, Indonesia, places like that. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. And and I can see where people who are into constructing antennas and testing with antennas, it would be very helpful. I, I'm able to see better the pattern. I run a 200, uh, other than the offset, offsetter fed dipole, I run a 280 foot long wire. 
and I'm able to see uh, the pattern very distinctly, which you can't uh, as easily if you're just doing regular sideband or CWQSLs, because you've got a whole series of data points within an hour or two. That's true. What is your best DX at the uh, nanowatt range? Uh, it would be uh, just outside of Rochester, New York, 409 miles, I think it was. It, it works out about to 8 million miles per watt. Wow. The way I discovered your work was through Greg, AA0DX, because he sent me an email exchange between the two of yeah. you that occurred. And you want to talk remarkable. Uh, can you just describe exactly what happened? That was one of the more more fascinating things that occurred. And it was one of those uh, serendipitous moments where I wasn't planning to do anything. As I described earlier, I was uh, slowly inserting 3DB pads into the uh, antenna. And uh, the Whisper uh, transmitter uh, usually is out uh, in a workshop. And as I would insert 3DBs, I would uh, bring it in the house and boot it up on the uh, computer uh, because, part, as I said earlier, part of the transmission is the amount of power. So I need to tell the, uh, the firmware in there what the power is so it can send that out uh, with my signal. Unfortunately, it only goes down to uh, zero dB, so I can't report it correctly at the lower ends. But what I would do in the beginning was I would uh, uh, start up the transmitter, uh, put in the new attenuator, uh, and then run it through a QRP watt meter just to see if they agreed. And I was still getting used to things. Well, that involved removing the antenna from the 7300 that I use uh, as my main station uh, rig. And I would have it on the whisper frequency only because I'd want to see what was I seeing in terms of something getting out. And I had the antenna completely disconnected and I looked up and uh, I had recorded a couple of signals. And uh, one of them was uh, the gentleman uh, out in zero land. And I don't remember where the other one was, but there was no antenna on the 7300 there was strictly the so239 on the back so i sent him a sent him a email with a screenshot of the reception so it's it's an extraordinary mode to play with he said he was running five watts i believe to just a a dipole and he was stunned to see that you picked up his whisper signal literally with no antenna just the SO239. That's it. That's that's it. it. That's all there was. And uh, it surprised me as much as uh, it surprised him. Now, since then, I've been uh, doing some experimenting with mobile Whisper because you can do uh, balloon tracking with it. In fact, uh, there is a manufacturer who makes little sort of disposable transmitters, solar powered, uh, that you can send up with your balloon and you can look on the whisper net and if you know what you're looking for you can see these balloons all over the place but i thought it would be fun to put one in a car so i grabbed a 40 meter ham stick and put it in the back of the car uh, i've got a mount there but i've also got a uh, screwdriver antenna and i've also learned by the way that these the whisper transmitter that i bought lasts at swr uh, it really doesn't care uh, so I took that kind of with a grain of salt, but at least knew I wasn't going to blow it up. So 
uh, it was working, uh, but I found that my screwdriver antenna would not tune on 40 anymore. The two antennas are too close to each other. So I said, well, I got to get around that. And I don't know. I, I grabbed an old high-gain 5.8 wave 2-meter uh, antenna, just threw it on the car. So, well, I'll, I'll start out with this and figure a way to make it a little better as I go along, but at least it's not close to the screwdriver antenna. It works fine. Uh, with 200 milliwatts into a 2-meter antenna, I'm getting into Europe. Uh, I'm getting cross-country. And it just it just amazes me. Uh, th- that should not work. What, what band is this? I have been heard on all bands from 40 to 10. <laughs> That's incredible. So, um, and if, if you just go and look for WA1KPD slash M, you, you will see the spots. And I'm going to be active with it uh, over the next three weeks or so, just playing around. And do you happen to recall the name of that manufacturer that makes the uh, very small, inexpensive whisper transmitters for balloons and mobile and such? Yes, that's Zach Tech. Yep, Z-A-C-H-T-E-K. I believe he's in Sweden. I don't know that for a fact. And it was $139 for the transmitter, which includes a GPS, which uh, it needs to... Uh, you can manually put it in the location, but obviously for the mobile function, it's important. And I believe it also uses the clock off the GPS to uh, keep everything synced on time. It requires uh, five volts. It's got a regular USB connector, and you can just grab any phone charger block, and uh, it's happy. It just sits there and works away. Did I understand that you're going to try this? On a long-distance car trip? Yes, I am. Yep. Uh, by the time uh, this airs, I will have gone down to Florida and back, and I'm going to run my two-meter antenna and watch my progress and my DX. So, well, now, if I wanted to look for you on the WhisperNet site, I would look for WA1KPD slash M. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yep. And are a number of people putting up these balloons? I have to confess, I haven't actually tried to watch for them, but how often do you see those? I have only seen one or two, but that's not an area that I've been really pursuing aggressively. You need to get uh, to a website and they'll tell you what balloons are up and active. And at this point, I've got my hands full with uh, playing around myself, but I do want to watch some of the balloons and see how they work and learn how do they interface with the FAA and so forth to allow a balloon just to float off uh, into the atmosphere and not cause trouble with uh, traffic? Well, it sounds like you're having a blast with Whisper. I I hope you'll keep doing it even after your Florida trip. I I would love to be able to log in and see your adventures. <laughs> I I hope so too. I hope so too. It just uh, it is amazing to watch and. Uh, with the low power, you do see the impact of propagation, I think, more so uh, than uh, with other uh, modes. Uh, my challenge will be uh, how to build one out of tubes. Oh, <laughs> and people are also using Whisper, as I understand, up on uh, 6 meters, 2 meters, and uh, even 70 centimeters, correct? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and they would, you know, they'd be very good... Uh, I'm I'm going to set up uh, the uh, six meter station and just put it on uh, 
on the whisper uh, monitor. So this summer, I'll be able to understand when there is an opening that I can use. I have an app for my smartphone that I guess checks into the uh, online site and then aggregates the whisper beacons that have been received on various bands. And on occasion, especially, of course, in the spring and summer, I've opened the app, I've asked it to show me six meters, and suddenly you you would think the band was utterly dead, but no, there were there were <laughs> openings all over the place that Whisper was showing me. Is that an Android app or Apple? Apple. I oh. think something similar exists for Android, though. Okay, good, good. I'm going to look for that then. See, I, I'm still on the learning curve. I think it's called Whisper Watch, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I, I could be wrong I, about that. I will take a look for it. I will, that would be very uh, convenient to have. Does it have an alarm in it, too, that says, hey, things are happening here? Or? That's a good question. I don't know, Carl, uh, but you're right. Wouldn't that be great to have when suddenly sporadic E is opening up yes. uh, that includes your area and your yes. phone would start beeping and <laughs> you could know to run for the radio? <laughs> Works for me. This has been extremely informative, Carl. I I think many people who perhaps had only vaguely heard of Whisper, but really had no idea what it was and how to do it, uh, have been enlightened. I think you've uh, interested a lot of people. Well, I would I would say give it a try. I am a, a computer incompetent, so I hold no special skills in that area. It was an easy program to uh, set up. There's a lot of YouTube information for just about every rig that's out there in terms of how to set it up uh, usually just requires a USB cable uh, uh, into the rig uh, or some other uh, ability to communicate with the computer. Once it's set up, it's a piece of cake, and you just sit there and go, wow. So I wouldn't hesitate from it because I don't even like hooking up printers. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Carl. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Steve. In a podcast devoted to all things electronic, I'm forever browsing, browsing articles, news items, anything that might be of interest. I'm kind of late to the party with this latest tidbit, uh, this being early April, but I felt it deserved mentioning. Earlier this year, the Federal Communications Commission released its year-end station totals for 2021. We're talking about AM and FM broadcast stations in this case. This is an interesting data point to follow because changes in broadcast spectrum usage can have downstream impacts on all the other services, including amateur radio. Well, according to the FCC, the number of commercial AM broadcast stations continues to dwindle. We lost 42 AM stations in 2021. Even commercial FM has been taking a hit with a loss of 23 stations last year. By the way, Low-power FM stations have been going dark in substantial numbers, with 67 stations off the air just last year. That means we're down to just under 2,000 low-power FM stations nationwide. None of this data is really a surprise, except for one statistic. There seems to be a boom taking place in FM translator stations. Think of these translators as being somewhat like repeaters. They don't originate content, Instead, they just rebroadcast content from a more distant station. In 2021, 446 new translators went on the air for a total of, get this, 
886 translators nationwide. The FCC says that's a 45% increase overall in less than 10 years. So what's going on here? I'm not entirely sure, but I'll hazard a guess anyway. With the number of commercial FM broadcast stations in slow decline, those that remain might be trying to expand their coverage through the use of these translators. Putting a translator on the air is much less expensive than erecting a new tower or boosting your output power. I recently discovered a translator in my area, in fact. Uh, it operates on 96.1 megahertz, and it relays the signal from a parent station that's about 40 miles away. The translator is only running about 250 watts, but it seems to do a pretty decent job of covering our community from its hilltop location. This may be worth watching. Perhaps the future is far fewer FM broadcast stations and many more low-power translators. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL, and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.